0: I want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again and for the last time in this series, the book of Malachi. We're going to finish out this week through this important book. I hope you've enjoyed the study as much as I have. We're going to finish out this series with a message entitled, When the Pieces Go Back in the Box. How many of you played board games as a kid growing up? Hands up. Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you had a bad childhood, right? The favorite game in our household was the game of life. Remember spinning the wheel? I remember getting a lot of money, houses, cars, kids. I remember all of that. And then at the end of the game, an interesting thing happens. I don't know if you know this or not, but the pieces go back in the box and it's over. Everything that you attain in the game, all the money, all the houses, all the cars, all the kids, all the pets, everything that you gain goes back in the box. What's interesting about that is the same thing holds true in life. Everything that we gain goes back in the box. What we're going to look at this morning is Malachi, through the inspiration of the Lord to the people of Israel, remind them of this reality, helping them understand that they need to live out the Christian life in light of eternity. Because the pieces always go back in the box. Everything that you or I gain in this life ultimately is not going with us unless it's done for the Lord. Unless we've stored up treasures in heaven, none of what we earn in this life is going to follow us. It's why you never see a U-Haul truck in a cemetery. You can't take it with you. I want to read the text for us this morning and as we walk through the text together, I want you to pay attention because Malachi is going to describe two types of people. He's going to describe one group of people that is in the nation of Israel who are incredibly cynical about what they see going on in the world around them. Who are questioning God and whether or not God is just and whether or not God is good. They are wondering why God doesn't do things the way that they would like for Him to do them. And then there's another group of people that we're going to see in the text this morning. People who are walking in faithfulness to the Lord, even in spite of all that's going on in the culture around them. So see if you can find that this morning as we read through the text, and we're going to walk back through it together. This is what God's Word says, beginning in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13. "'Your words have been hard against me,' says the Lord." But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord Spoke with one another. And the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. And once more ye shall see the distinction between the righteous. And the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you, who fear my name, The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, and you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Did you see the two groups of people that Malachi describes here? Two groups of people, one who are approaching the Lord in a sense of cynicism, another group that is approaching the Lord with a sense of hope. And then the Lord unpacks for them, pulls the curtain back and says, here is what is coming. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that'll frame our time together. We can choose to live the Christian life with hope in light of eternity. We can choose to live the Christian life with hope in light of eternity. I want you to notice the bookend of the book of Malachi is a vision, a picture of when all the pieces go back in the box. What is God up to then? And here's the challenge for us as believers. Remember, this is God's people that he is speaking to at this point in time, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And as we've seen walking through the book that they were expecting God to do what they wanted God to do on their timetable and newsflash, God doesn't work that way. And for them in this moment, they are questioning God. Throughout the book, if you remember, if we began in week one, they asked the question, God, do you really love us? God says, I love you. They say, prove it. Continue working through the text and we see these questions that they lodge against God. God, you're not just or you would act in this way that you're not acting currently. Or God, you've made this promise and you've not followed through with it. Therefore, you are not deserving of our worship. We see another question that comes up here. And as we walk through verses 13 through 15, I want you to notice this reality as we approach living in a broken world that we can choose to be cynical and doubt God's plan and God's purpose. We can choose that. We can make the choice to be cynical and to doubt God's plan and God's purpose. That's what the people did. In fact, if you look at verse 13 of Malachi chapter 3, the Lord says to his people, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. So this dialogue that's going on between God's people and himself through Malachi, they are lodging accusations and the Lord at the end finally says, you done? You know, your words against me have been a little off-putting. Your words against me have been quite harsh. And they look and they say, how have we spoken against you? Now, notice what the Lord says that they are saying. This is what the people who are cynical, who are doubting God's plan and purpose, this is what they say. It is vain to serve God. It's not worth it to serve God. It's not worth walking in righteousness before Him. It's not worth doing all that He's called us to do. It's just not worth it. You ever felt that way? Notice why they say this. This is important. Their response, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? What are we gaining in this? You ever wondered that in the Christian life? What are we getting? Because it sure doesn't seem like at times God is at work in the way that we want Him to work. It sure doesn't seem like God's timing is on our timetable. It sure doesn't seem like God does what we want Him to do. How many of you have ever wondered, I think if I were God, I could fix this thing? But that's what the people were saying cynically looking around at the world they were saying in light of God not having fulfilled his promise to them at this point in time on their timetable they were saying maybe it's just not worth it maybe it's not worth living for the Lord maybe it's not worth walking in righteousness before him maybe we are simply wasting our time and as we walk through the text what we see is that that has directly affected their worship before the Lord remember they're coming half-hearted as they worship the Lord. They're not in it. They're not desiring to worship with all of their heart. They're not sitting and worshiping the Lord knowing his goodness and trusting his faithfulness. In fact, they're just kind of going through the motions. And why were they going through the motions? Well, because they were simply thinking, gosh, it's probably just not worth it. I mean, what's the purpose in coming to church every week? Is it worth it? What about the fights leaving the house on Sunday morning? What about when your kid walks out and they come dressed and you're thinking, you can't wear that. Or maybe you oversleep and you're scrambling and you're trying to think. Maybe it's just not worth it. God's people at this point, that was their mindset. In fact, they had gone so far to say it is vain. And here's how they try to couch this. Notice how they keep going. And we now call the arrogant blessed. And the evil doers not only prosper, but they put God to the test. And they escape. So instead of this being a personal thing between them and the Lord, what they do, and listen, your kids have done this before. It wasn't my fault, it was their fault. Right? It's not my fault, it's my sister's fault or my brother's fault. It's not my fault, it's the people I go to school with, it's their fault. And at this point in time, God's people are looking and they're saying, yes, we're coming in half-hearted worship. Yes, it's vain to worship the Lord because we're surveying the world. And what we see taking place is that people who have no interest in following the Lord end up being blessed and we're not. People have no interest in pursuing God, and they end up getting off scot-free, and they don't have to worry about all that we have to worry about. That's what God's people were saying, a group of them at least. Let's think about that in terms of your life and in my life. Have you ever wondered the same thing? Have you ever sat back and thought, man... Here I am, trying to live for the Lord. Here I am, trying to walk in relationship with Him. Trying to walk in righteousness before Him. Maybe you're a teenager in here and you say, Pastor, that's what I'm trying to do. But the group of friends that I have at school, they don't do that and they seem okay. They seem to be getting by. The coworker that you have that doesn't do a very good job while you do a good job, and yet no one ever notices. No one's ever paying attention to that. There's times you just wonder man, is it worth it? Are we doing this in vain? Are we worshiping the Lord in vain? It sure doesn't seem like He is doing what He should be doing. You know, as we look at the world around us, not much has changed, has it? As you look at God's people and their question about what's going on in the world around them, isn't it much the same question for us as believers that we often have? Why do we live in such a broken world? If I were God, I would take care of that. If I were God, I would fix that. If I were God, I would take them out if necessary to fix that. And at this point, they're so frustrated. They're so downcast. They are just looking and saying, God, I don't know if it's worth it or not. It had gotten so far for them that they had grown so cynical in their hearts that their hearts were cold before the Lord. Their worship was half-hearted. They weren't in it. They weren't really that interested, but they weren't going to walk away completely because maybe, maybe God's going to do something after all. The temptation for us as well is to be the exact same way. For us as believers to look around us and to wonder, why does God not do what we think he should do? Why does God not accomplish what we think he should accomplish? I mean, he could, let's all be honest, come back today and set everything right. But so far, he hasn't. And if we're not careful, we too will grow cynical. We'll look around and say, yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, God, you tell me to follow you, but you don't, you don't reward me for that? How do you tell me to walk in righteousness before you, but here's all these other people and they're not doing that? I mean, if we think about it, we act a lot like our kids, don't we? In our relationship with the Lord. We stomp our foot. We scream out. We say things like, that's not fair. And if we do that often enough, we'll grow cynical Our heart will grow cold. And as we come in to worship on Sunday, we bring half-hearted worship to the Lord. As we come to give, we give half-heartedly. If we're not careful, church, that's where we will live. And a portion of God's people were living there. A portion of God's people had that mentality. They had grown so cynical about what was going on around them that they were saying things like, it's not even worth it. They were saying things like, God, you're not doing what you promised to do, and that's to judge the evildoer. You've not done that. In fact, they say, they've even put you to the test, and God, you failed. You know, it's a dangerous place to be when you're there. But if we're all honest, at times, we've been there. At times, we've wondered those same things. We've questioned those same things. I want you to notice the second group of people that are detailed out beginning in verse 16. Because as we've walked through the book of Malachi, all we've really encountered is that first group. We've encountered the problems, we've encountered the difficulties, we've encountered their questions before the Lord, and it could be easy to look and go, well, maybe there's not even anyone who is walking in right relationship with the Lord. But here's verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. So the first approach we talked about of living in a broken world is to choose to be cynical and doubt God's plan and purpose. But here's the second approach. We can choose to be hopeful and embrace God's plan and God's purpose. That's what this second group did. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Listen to this. The Lord paid attention and heard them. Just get that. Now, we know the Lord's paying attention to the other group because he's been in dialogue with them. They've been questioning him. He's been answering them. They've been questioning him. He's been answering them. But this second group, the Lord has taken notice of them. This second group who fear him, who are hopeful, knowing that God is going to accomplish his plan and his purpose, they are heard by the Lord. And notice this. A book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Huh. God is hearing them. God is watching them. And God is writing out a book with their names. How cool is that? Now here's the question. Which group do we want to be in? Cynical, hopeful, questioning God, or God writing our names down in a book. And this is what he says about them. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. God is looking at this group of people and He's saying to them, you're mine. You're walking in righteousness before me. I know your name." I've written your name down. You are not forgotten. You are not overlooked. I know the world around you looks crazy. I know the world around you looks hopeless, but you maintain your hope because not your circumstances have changed, but because you serve a God who does not change. What does it look like To be hopeful. You know, as we are hopeful in our walk with the Lord, as we are trusting God's plan and God's purposes as they unfold in the world around us, you know what's interesting in that? The bad news doesn't seem quite so bad. The difficult circumstances don't seem quite so difficult. Because for us as believers, if we choose to walk in hope, if we choose to trust that God's plan and God's purposes will unfold, we have the opportunity living out the Christian life to live it with joy. Here's the problem. Too many believers have lost the joy of living the Christian life. In fact, as you look at what God says in His Word about the life of a believer, it is a life filled with joy. It is a life filled with expectations. Yes, difficult times come. Yes, the world is broken around us, and we see that, but it doesn't change the God who we worship. And for us, we can stand firmly fixed on the truth of who God is and what He is going to do. Here's the reminder on the back end, chapter 4. Behold, the day is coming. Church, the day is coming. say, what day is that? When Jesus Christ returns, that day is coming. Now we know that for them here, they have been looking and longing for the Messiah to come. We have the privilege of looking back and knowing that he did come. But don't lose sight, church. That Jesus' promise when he left is that he will return. And I want you to notice when he returns, it's going to look vastly different than the first time he came. The first time Jesus came, the promise was made that he would come as a humble servant. He came as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance. He didn't come with strength and power the way that many believed he would come. But I want you to notice as we move forward, as we read the first chapter in the book of Revelation, what we are reminded of is that when this day comes, he's not coming mildly. Jesus' promised return, he comes in power. Jesus' promised return comes with all of the world knowing that he is back. Jesus' promised return comes, I love the picture, riding a horse with a sword on his thigh. Get you some of that. (laughs) Behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. The day is coming when God will set all things right. The day is coming when evil will be done away with. The day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming. So, why be cynical when we can stand in hope knowing it's coming? For you and for me, listen, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Some of you have not leapt in a long time. You'll get to. You shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes, the rules that I commanded him. And behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. God's promise to His people then, God's promise to us today is that He will return. He will set all things right the righteous will prevail. The evil will be punished. All who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior will reign with Him in His eternal kingdom, will leap as calves coming out of the stall. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that's you. That's your future. That's the promise God is making to you. So instead of living in cynical doubt of wondering if God's going to do it, live in hope knowing that He's going to fulfill His promise. See, if we live in light of eternity, it will change our perspective. If we live in light of our current circumstances, we'll grow cynical and discouraged and depressed. Don't do that. Live in light of eternity. I want to ask you this morning if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes as our worship team makes their way back. As we think about God's word this morning, as we think about Christ's return, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you may be here this morning and if that day is today, if Jesus were to return, you would not reign with Him because you've never taken the step of trusting Him as your Savior. It doesn't have to stay that way. You have the opportunity right now on this Valentine's Day, on this day when the world celebrates love, you have the opportunity to experience what true love is. True love is Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, stepping foot out of heaven, coming to this earth as a baby in a manger, living a sinless, perfect life. Taking your sin and my sin upon himself, paying for those on the cross dying and then on the third day being raised from the dead securing salvation for you that's what love looks like and maybe this morning you need to receive that that free gift of salvation that's offered to you right now if that's you I ask that you would repeat this prayer after me in your heart God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you can save me from my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ took my sin. He paid for them on the cross. He died, and he rose again, securing salvation for me. And this morning, I receive that. Thank you. If you prayed that prayer in just a few minutes as we worship the Lord, closing out this service through singing, I encourage you just to meet me right here down front. To share that with me, give me an opportunity to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've already taken that step of trusting Jesus as your savior, but for you, the reality is you're pretty cynical about what's going on around you. Pretty cynical wondering what God's up to and if he's gonna come through or not. And this morning, what you need to do is come down to this altar to lay that before the Lord and to say, God, change my heart. God, give me hope. Help me live in light of eternity. Maybe for you this morning, that's your response. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of once again being able to open it together to once again be reminded of who you are and what you've done. Once again, be challenged to live our lives in light of eternity, to long for and look for your son's return. Encourage us, challenge us. We ask that in Jesus' name amen would you stand and you sing if you prayed that prayer just a few minutes ago would you come down and share that with me if you need to come down to this altar and spend some time in prayer before the lord asking god to change your heart from one of cynicism to one of hope i want to encourage you to come down and to pray